Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Welcome to the after party. It's time to change. You're just getting started. You can teach an old dog new ways and not just on Saturday. Hey, you guys, it's Anna David with After Party Pod. I just did something that I really haven't done in a long time, which is I started this intro and I hated it so much that I stopped and it was kind of reminiscent of those. Remember those days when all we did was change our outgoing messages um, and not like the way it sounded. And so then we, you know, it's this never ending cycle when you decide you want it to be better. And I'm not, I just let myself um, do this once. It doesn't matter what I say right now. If I start speaking in tongue, I am not stopping this because one is too many and a thousand is not enough. I could do this a thousand and one times and I, and I really don't want to. So, hey, you guys, if you're new to the podcast, thank you. Welcome. I hope you love it. If you're old to the podcast, you are not old because I don't think there's anyone even older than me that listens to this uh, because I rarely meet people who are not older than me. Wow, I didn't mean to go here. But anyway, um, thank you so much. So enjoying your emails. So enjoying the reviews. I've been shouting out to a couple of the people that give reviews. And some of you have thanked me, which makes me feel great that you actually are listening or continuing to listen after giving a, a nice review. Um, right now, I'm going to talk about Elastigal. I don't know if I talked about her can assume she's a woman before, but it's, it, she wrote such a nice review um, and talks about how she's in a different fellowship than the one that we talk about on here, but that it doesn't, it's not a problem. We're all the same. Uh, she doesn't say that, but she says a bunch of nice things. Thank you. Thank you. It really does mean a lot. Um, and and so what else do I want to say? Uh, things are good right now. And I learned an interesting lesson today, which is to say, you know, I'm in this group office, right, where there's a bunch of us together. And and I have a door that closes. You know, some uh, some people are out at desks and, and stuff like that. And um, but it's not a door. It's it's. It is a door, but it's there's no soundproofing or anything. And uh, there are some people who are not good at using their inside voices. And there was this one guy that I really took it as an affront. I, I felt like he wanted us to all hear what was going on. And and I don't know that's not true. I mean, I think, I think there is a huge element of reality. And he just kind of had loud energy, and I didn't like that. And the way I dealt with that was by going up to him and saying, hey, you know, we can all hear everything you're saying. Not saying, hey, I'm Anna. We work right near each other. Whatever. I just started off with that. And he didn't respond well, and he shouldn't have. And then, But I continued to resent him 
I don't know, for the last couple months, because this was a while ago. And the other day, I heard him talking about how he wrote a book. And I thought, well, he and I have something in common here. So I started to ask him about it. And he was really nice. And he's still loud and it doesn't bother me, which I, I think is, is a great lesson for me that I need to seem to keep needing to learn where just getting that someone's a human being and not somebody who is out to oppress and annoy me, which is how I seem to subconsciously think of people who do things I don't like. Anyway, so that brings us to the guest today. Such a good guy. His name is Claude Shires, and he is a comedian and an actor and an entrepreneur. And and I met him in such an interesting way because I met him in this very office in the elevator one day somehow we started talking and he told me that his therapist was in this office and I didn't know there were therapists in this office and it seemed convenient if I was ever having an issue um I, I have my own therapist and she's not in this office but I'm not gonna leave her you know to go anyway um and we just started talking and somehow it came up that he was sober and I was sober and then um and then I sort of forgot, I'll be honest, I forgot that happened. And because uh, you meet a lot of people in the elevators and around here. And then I was listening to Mick Betancourt's podcast. And you guys know Mick because he was on a previous episode. And I heard Claude on it and he is hilarious and has such an interesting life um, from... Yeah, I'm just going to break it to you. His dad invented Gatorade, along with some other doctors. Uh, he went away to a sort of uh, militant uh, rehab at the age of 17, was in the military, now is uh, the CEO and founder. Uh, you know, he's got a partner of this new uh, startup called uh, Tube Start that is essentially a sort of Kickstarter for TV and video. And fascinating from florida which i think is interesting in itself and perhaps merits being on this podcast just because it's so there are some fucked up people in florida if you're from florida i i mean that you're not one of them or maybe you are but i just find it interesting because i didn't know that about florida for a long time anyway um we have a great chat uh i enjoyed it so much and i hope you guys too so here you go clutch Shires. i first started taking drugs by chewing blocks of hash Oh my god, I think my copy has like blood stains on it from shooting up while reading it. Party animal, I hate to say that because that makes me sound Paris Hilton. I was on the, as right. I call it, the Autobahn to nowhere. I'm very lucky because would you have wanted to have a celebrity junkie for a dad? And you can, you can record directly into there, you know that, right? I love how this podcast always starts with somebody giving me <laughs> recording advice because we've just had a whole thing yeah. go on. Well, look, whatever works, man, at the end of the day, right? Yeah. And so we're going we're gonna to hope that this is, this is working. It's okay. working. I'm looking at it. We can see it. levels, yeah. So, and, so, and so I was just saying, right, that we met mm-hmm. upstairs from where we sit now. On the elevator. And how exactly did that happen? I'm trying to remember. There was a friend of mine who's a friend of Bill uh-huh. who was walking out with dark hair. And he and I met when I first moved to town in 2001. He was with his girlfriend who was blonde and had a mohawk who was like taller than him. Mark, I think is his name. He's Mark Maron's former person that he would go talk to all the time. Right. But but like that was after the fact. That's right. That was after we the fact. We already knew each other I by think then. we just got on the got on the elevator and I was just like, hey, like... 
I don't know, being casual, and then we ended up talking about something about sobriety, maybe? Yes, somehow we got right into oh, it. Oh, you had a podcast or something, maybe, and we talked about that. But anyway, we got out of surgery, I maybe had outside, a podcast that you're on I was right like, now. oh, my therapist is here. And you're like, my therapist? Maybe I should see that therapist. Wait, your therapist is in this building? They have a therapist? Yeah. And then we got outside, and you know. It's a little known fact that women love to hear that a guy's in therapy. It's true. <laughs> we're like, well, no, but we're like, okay, cool. So somebody who's actually mm-hmm. dealing. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's so funny that there are people who are embarrassed to admit they're in therapy or you tell them you're in therapy and they look like a little freaked out. Yeah, yeah. So weird. Yeah, and I love it. I'm like, oh, I got to go talk to my guy about this. Like, why am I so why am I so angry about this? Chalk it up. Put it on your list to talk to Ali about. Yeah. Yeah. My therapist looks just like Osama bin Laden, by the way. He does? Yeah. Does that help bring up your anger? No, no, it's just funny because, I mean, he looks... Like, it's hard for me not to giggle sometimes, like, because I look at him, but he's got, like, the best... he He just does the best work. But I will look at him sometime, and I'm like... Bin Laden is alive and well and practicing therapy in Hollywood. <laughs> what? How did you find him? Uh, he, I found him through a friend who just was raving. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I did all the like landmark stuff. Have you done any of that? No, no, because okay. because I I went straight to twelve step. Like I right. did. Did you do that pre twelve step? Because, no, it was post. Okay, interesting. I mean, I, interesting. Yeah. I mean, I um. I just try to do the rounds every cult I can get in. I try try to get it. Landmark freaks me out. And I'm like somebody who says 12-step freaks them out without them knowing anything. Mm -hmm. But you liked it. I did. I loved it. I mean, look, here's the thing. It's just like, you know, 12-step. Take what you want and leave the rest. Except Mm -hmm. there is no attraction rather than promotion because everybody tries to get you to do it. Oh, it's completely promoted. That's their marketing angle. Yeah. But again, like that, to me, like I never got marketed to. Like, what happened to me was I had some, like, deeply troubling personal issues about being molested at a Christian summer camp for boys. Oh, How did you not see that coming? And um, right. and uh, so for me, like, I was talking to my friend about it, and I was like, oh, I'm having this issue. This is horrific. What do I do? He's like, dude, go do the forum. Right. He's like, it'll be gone. And he wasn't kidding. Like, after that weekend, it was like, I realized this has nothing to do with me. Wow. Do you know what I mean? And so for me, and, and look, I'm, there's a ton of landmark courses, and I'm right. not even promoting anything but the forum. Right. But the forum itself, those three days, if like your head is all jacked up, by the time you get to the end of it, you're like, <sighs> I mean, clarity. Now, again, wow. just like anything else, without consistent you know, practice and that right. kind of stuff, it, it, doesn't it goes away. But, I mean, like seriously, mind-blowing like and again, the marketing is a turn off and a half. It's ridiculous. Except you're doing the most effective marketing I've ever heard because nobody's ever told me about that. Yeah. It's it's one of those things like I mean, for me, I was I didn't know anything about it. I just showed up on a Friday like what the why is there a board up there? Like what are we doing? Right. And then by the time I left, I was like I was shocked at the level of clarity that I had about just how like even though I moved to LA to do stand up, like you know, sometimes we do things for peripheral reasons and mm-hmm. that I got from Landmark that was the reason I was coming to here to Hollywood was because I'm basically trying to complete this conversation I had about myself in high school about like, dude, if if I can be famous or if I can Mm -hmm. be funny Mm -hmm. or if I can get this recognition and if they like me, then on some level I like me. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, (laughs) satisfaction be damned. Right, right, right. But it doesn't work. Right. But I got that in the forum and I was like, oh my God, like what am I doing? You know what I really like? is surfing in Costa Rica. <laughs> Do you know? Right, like, why right. am I not there? Right. Do you know what I mean? And Literally, I, that's what you like? You've done that? Oh, my God, yes. And I, like, I haven't been back in eight years, but I realized when I did that, 
that I was like, oh, this is what I love deep down inside, not what I think you would love about me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So It's hard. I just heard somebody say, and it's so obvious, but I'd never heard it before. I'd never even thought it was validation was my first drug. Oh, completely relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's my current drug of choice as Mm -hmm. well. Yeah. That's where I think people get into trouble yeah. in a lot of ways, like sexually, sexual addiction, yeah. um, you know, relationships where you're just like, you need to like validate me. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it turns into two independent people that are enjoying each other's company because they both have shit going on into, right. <laughs> yeah. I must have your essence. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. And that, and it's just, it's narcissistic and the, but the worst part is if you're dependent on it, then when it is not there, you cease to matter. Yeah. Codependency. Have you heard that joke about codependency? I, I don't know. Which one? It's the, uh, it's the one about what is a codependency when they die? Somebody else's life flashes before their eyes. <laughs> yeah, I have heard that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, okay. And so, so you were raised in Florida. Yeah. Which is a problem in itself. Yeah. Well, yes, Florida. It always amazed me that that could be surrounded by warm water and filled with cocaine and still manage to suck down there. (laughs) (laughs) It is true. Why is that? I I don't know. There used to be a show on Thursdays called Florida or Austria. Uh And they would try to pick like the most jacked up story. And you had to pick whether it was from Austria or Florida. That's an amazing show. Yeah. But yeah, Florida, man. Like, dude, it's just, I don't know. I, I don't know. My mom even said, she's like, when we moved there from Indiana, I felt like it was just like a... A spiritually depressed place. But yet we're going to stay. We're going to move there and stay yeah. there with my dad. Exactly. But so, and so you grew up and, you know, and the what I learned and I didn't know from our mm-hmm. elevator interactions mm-hmm. that, so your dad is a doctor mm-hmm. who ended up being one of the people who mm-hmm. invented Gatorade. Yes. And if you ask him, he's like, it was my idea. Of right. course it was. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. But, but yeah, I usually bring that up in first meetings, by the way. Of course. <laughs> no, it's how you introduce nice yourself. To meet which you. is, which My is, dad invented Gatorade. How are you? But it's yeah. just weird because it's uh, whatever. This is the dumbest reference ever, but in Romy and Michelle's college reunion, how Love they, that movie. they do they claim they invented post its or yes, their parents? No, did? That's right. They, yeah. they did. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because it's one of these things that you don't think of someone as having invented. Yeah. it's been around since the beginning of time yeah. because I'm narcissistic and I assume the beginning of time is when I was born. That's right. Although it wasn't. What year was it started? I want to say it was like 63. Oh, it's older than me. Yeah, I know. Me too. Thank God. Um, by eight years? By 20 years. Crazy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, Happy 29th birthday to you, Thank by you. the way. Thank you, July. Yeah. Um, yeah, so 60, 64, maybe, something like that. Um, I see. Okay, so you were already there when it had been invented. Yeah, yeah. When I grew up, we had all this powdered material, Gatorade in our house. And Gator so Graham. he did it with how many people? Well, it was, it was Dr. Cade, Dr. Free, Dr. DeCasada, and, and my dad, Dr. Shires. It, they basically, they were nephrologists, mm-hmm. which is I don't know kidney, what that is. Okay. kidney. And then the kidney, the way the kidney works, you have this thing called the loop of Henley, and then you have all these different basic sodium pumps. Um, and your kidney is basically the, the nephrol is the functional element of the kidney. And mm-hmm. basically what they figured out was instead of having to wait for water to get into your lower intestine and then get into the kidneys and basically um, help you hydrate, mm-hmm. that if you put electrolytes into the stomach that these things, these sugar... Um, 
basically these uh, God, I'm losing the word here. It's these basically well, like pores. Basically, what basically what they figured out is that you can get water in through the lining of the stomach if you put in a very specific solution, uh-huh. which is what Gatorade is. So it's kind of elementary chemistry at this point that if you piggyback on sodium chloride channels in the gut, this is what I'm thinking, that water will come in. Mm-hmm. If you, these channels are open, water would bind to the salt and the sugar and then come in that way. So mm-hmm. you can hydrate and cut off 30% of where the water... And that was what gave them the competitive advantage. And initially it was just like a salt, you know, a solution. But so how do you go from being a doctor to saying, well, we're really going to be scientists here. We're going to invent it. Well, here was the happy accident. It was just kind of an experiment gone right, you know, because they were already, you know, doing kidney trans or starting kidney transplants and dialysis and stuff like that that was already in the works. Right. So this was just kind of like, hey, can we fix this problem? And nobody expected it to be... Gatorade. Right. Do you know what I mean? They started figuring out because they, because Florida, University of Florida, Gainesville is just like being in somebody's armpit. It's right. It's like so gross and <laughs> right? hot. So they had nothing else to do, yeah. you mean? Well, they were just, you know, they were like, well, how can we combat the heat? And, you know, everybody wants the, the Gators to win. So right, they figured right. it out. Is, how did they, did they really come, how did they come up with the name? Well, I, it's Gator, Florida Gators. That's how they came up with it, Gatorade. Oh my God. I know, right? Yeah. And it's orange and green, which is their colors. So kind of what happened was they figured out that this worked and you know somebody probably you know besides my dad yeah figured out like oh we should figure this out and do you know a lot of the marketing right and then um and it didn't make like any money hardly at all until i was you know well out of the house i suppose right well i was 17 when i when they sent me to my first facility for a year wow for a year yeah was it like months and 28 days but who's counting was it one of those terrible ones it was it's got horrific reviews if you look up peninsula youth chemical dependency Uh it was like straight basically right do you remember that yeah it was in a log cabin in the woods surrounded by the tennessee river 400 that doesn't sound bad so far it doesn't sound bad until you realize that if there's an issue and you try to run it's a three or six mile up a winding road just to get off this peninsula where you're at and then it was (laughs) 90 days it was 90 days in a locked facility and then after that it was six weeks sitting on a bed writing your life story every Mm -hmm. single day Mm -hmm. I tried to escape I got caught and Mm -hmm. put in solitary and all this shit it was like but were they like did they do abusive things or no well it depends I mean when I when they when they put me in skew the special care unit is what mm-hmm. they call it is because me and this my roommate Norman had tunneled out of the ceiling in our room and then followed a dryer duct out to the central courtyard of this nice place. Work. I know, right? And then, but we don't have any flashlights or anything. So I asked this kid for his lighter, and uh-huh. then he got busted. Uh-huh. And then he was like, "Oh, Claude wanted my lighter because he has this hole in the roof of oh, his Jesus. closet." Couldn't he have just said you were trying to like smoke I crack, smoke a cigarette, or crack, or whatever? <laughs> and um. And, uh, yeah, so I was like, so then they put me in the middle of the, like, group. There's, like, you know, 30 kids, and we're all, you know, minors. Right. And they put me in the center of the room, Mm -hmm. and the director came out, and she confronted me, and she was like, Claude, we understand that there's a hole in your closet, Mm -hmm. and that was put there by you, Mm -hmm. and in the meantime, you're just telling everybody that everything is great, and meanwhile, you're tunneling out of the center. Right. And this is unacceptable. But that doesn't sound that abusive at all. It sounds, like, handled well. Well, yeah, so here's what happened. So they basically... They put a, they kept the door to our room open, and they kept like some guy there, some mm-hmm. male staff. And the next morning, they came down and um, 
they were like, Claude, could you come out here for a second? And there were eight male staff members like waiting, you know, and they were like, take your shoes off. And I was like, you know what? You guys are going to have to take me. And then I was like, oh, I'll just come with you. I'm yeah. not going to be like a tough guy. And, this, and then Skew was a room with a huge air conditioning vent, probably like two or three feet across. You're only allowed to wear boxers. And then every time that you would go off or complain, they would turn on the air conditioning. And then you had a mattress with no sheet, so you couldn't hang yourself. And so when oh I would be like, God. fuck you guys, you know, and then Mr. Force, Jeff Force. Uh-huh. So we had to address him as Mr. Force. <laughs> I know, right? It sounds like comic book, like a superhero, yeah. right? And um, anytime we would go off, he just, yeah, he would turn on the AC. But, and so would you get like hypothermia? No, you just get blasted by cold air yeah. and you just get in the corner and try to like chill up underneath your mattress. How <laughs> but, long were you there? Uh, 10 days, 12 days. And then after that, yeah, after after basically ninety days in the the UC, YCD, then they transferred to the Village program, which is the outdoor program, which is like you know straight or one of those ones where mm-hmm. you live in a cabin, build the cabin, mm-hmm. and then you basically if you don't get the cabin up before winter starts, then you're SOL. Like you're right. sleeping in a sleeping bag in a tent. Right. So like you know we have eight boys basically hustling to like put in the hardwood floorings and frame, you know all that stuff. And okay, and to me that sounds fun because I was not 17 yeah. and forced to do it. Yeah, when everybody else is like in high school yeah. and you're like spending an entire year, your junior year of high school in this facility. So, so what led to you being sent there? Um, well, me and my twin brother, and my, I have a twin brother and an older brother. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, my mom was actually touring. We're talking like big time 88, right? Mm-hmm. Like big time treatment centers are big time. Like, mm-hmm. you know, huge booming business. Is it Bradshaw, whoever the guy is, wrote all these feeling books, whatever? Yeah, John Bradshaw. John Bradshaw. So my mom was super into that mm-hmm. and listening to the tapes mm-hmm. and the tapes back then. So she was actually, she went to Hazelden and she was like on treatment center tour, basically. For you? For me and my brother. Okay. She was like, you guys are just out of control. And, yeah. And, um, and she was right? Well, she was right. I mean, you know, we were do- let me tell you what we were doing. We were partying like, I mean, I don't know if this is regular for kids, but we were drinking, we were smoking weed. Yeah. Going out and picking, you know, um, you know, various, you know, things that grow on the grass in Florida. Right, <laughs> and, right. Um, and, you know, she had overheard some of the phone calls. And, you know, granted, we were a little bit out of control. There's no question. But so she called the police and she was like, I'm out of town and I think my two boys are having a party at our house. Would you mind going over there? Oh, my God. So the police come by, full on kegger. Yeah. Like, underage, you know, just yeah. having a great time. And the cops come, shut the whole thing down. Yeah. And then, you know, my mom flies back the next day and it's like, okay, you guys, you're going to Tennessee and your brother's going to Hazelden in Minnesota. He got the better deal, huh? Well, actually, he didn't end up going to Hazelden because it was full, so he ended up going to Atlanta, uh-huh. where he was only there for 30 days or six weeks, and I was in there for a year. Were you I was worse? So well, I would say I was the more proactive. When I describe right. my twin, yeah. I'm like, he's like, he's like Spock, but not so emotional. You know what I mean? I, I'm sorry, Star Trek references. Spock has no emotions. Oh, okay. So, yeah, okay, so, okay, got it. So, um, and then I would be like more like the Captain Kirk, like, dude, let's just drive, let's just go there. There's a right. huge party, and um, but yeah, so he was in there for 30 days or six weeks, and then I was like, 10 more months, 10, That's you know, 10.2. So unfair. So unfair. Is he sober now? I uh, know. Okay, he's so he's sober. still. So he's, he's not an alcoholic. So technically, yeah. you got the appropriate. Not that it's yeah, yeah, appropriate, yeah. but yeah. like mom had figured out who, yeah. who needed it. Right, right. And um, yeah, and then I went from there basically right into the Marine Corps. As soon as I got out of treatment, I was I went to finish my high school and then. And that you like, want to be GI Joe. You wanted to do that. Yeah. Well, I was like, the thing is, I got, I basically went in there two weeks after my seventeenth birthday, and then I never went home. So it was like, after I got out of there, I was like, oh, I need to go get my 
you know, my high school degree or my high school diploma, I should say. Right. I have my degree. I got my degree in high school, adult ed. <laughs> and uh, and then I went to the Marine Corps. Right. And I got in there and like the first day I was like, oh, I fucked up. I was like, oh, yeah. my God. Yeah. Like there was like this guy smelled whiskey on his breath. It was like quarter of five in the morning and I was like this is the guy that's going to be telling me to like charge a hill with a machine gun and he's got whiskey on his breath at quarter of five right and I realized that like really at that moment I was like well just kind of got to get through this one you know just too late it was too late okay and that was like the the first day after they like shave your head and get you into what's called your your IPT your initial physical fitness test running in sand for a mile and a half and so how long were you there? Uh, five years, oh basically. Oh, my God. I mean, I was reserves, but we got activated for the first Gulf War. So we're talking 1990, 1991, basically. 19, I went in November 1990, graduated February 1991, and then went for the first Desert Warfare training course. And it was like, you know, there was like video. I mean, there was, I had parties longer than that war. It was like three right. days. But right. We, <laughs> but it was, uh, it, was, it was good. It was scary, you know, but so, at the same time, you're 19, you feel like you're invincible. You and know? so what were some of the scary things that happened? Well, just, you know, you're in there and you realize like, oh my God, like this is, this is seriously an institution that the whole goal is to go out and like get into a war where somebody's going to get their head blown off. Yeah. And hopefully it's not you. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. so like, that was like the first time coming from this family that was, you know, somewhat more privileged in a lot of ways yeah. than other families, particularly as I got into those teenage years and it started, yeah. you know, they started getting more income, but you know, being in that environment where it's like, dude, if I don't fucking polish my boots, if I don't like get all my shit together, then I am fucked. Do you know what I mean? And that was like one of the first times, as much as I hated that experience, that I realized rising above was actually going to be the easiest way out of a very difficult situation is to only become stronger than the situation. Right. And that's what will carry you through. Right. You're totally exhausted 4.30 in the morning. You just can't get out of bed. Fuck it. I'm getting out of bed. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm getting out and then forget how I feel. This is what has to be done. Yeah. Having kids is a lot like that. Right. Like when my daughter wakes up, quarter of six, six o'clock, nobody's there. Mom's shooting. I'm out. It's like, nope. Sorry, I gotta get up and make pancakes, or I gotta get up and like. Yeah. You don't. You just don't. You don't. You just go. Oh, okay, gotta do it. But a lot easier when it's you're doing it for someone you love more mm-hmm. than anything. Yeah. As opposed to for something yeah. you may not believe in. That's right. So you don't get beaten. Yeah. But the other thing too was was for me. Um, I mean, yeah. I always the joke. I <laughs> the joke I always make about that is things are way easier when you don't have a choice. Yeah, you know, you know yeah. I mean? Well, just, I mean, and it's like getting sober. Mm-hmm. That's the point where you can get get it is mm-hmm. that you you get that you can kill yourself mm-hmm. or you can try this. Yeah, I don't know anybody that didn't get to that point. Well, I mean, I nobody gets a, nobody gets there because things are going great. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. It's a beautiful day. I'm going to check out a meeting. Yeah, exactly. What's you this know? all about? Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, okay, and so you get out of the military, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and what, five years later? Yeah, yeah, well, I went to, I moved to Colorado, started going to University of Colorado in Boulder, mm-hmm. and, um, you know, ended up, you know, getting a degree from, and um, actually finishing it in San Diego, in molecular biology and a minor in Spanish. Because okay. I was always, like, I always loved bio, like, it's just, it's the most fascinating thing in the whole world to me, like, none of this stuff should work and it works almost perfectly right (laughs) so for me that was just more of like a discovery channel degree because Mm -hmm. it was like this is amazing and cancer biology is amazing and virology read this whole book about ebola called the hot zone phenomenal oh yeah by the way it's like 1994 richard preston big book book back then 
right? And that was a tiny outbreak. Yeah. Like nothing what they have going on today. Did you reread? No, I haven't, month? but I remember the Marburg version of the virus was way more potent and killed you in about five days and had like an 85 to 95% mortality rate, but it incubated in such a short period it couldn't spread. This one's actually more dangerous because it has like a 20-day, right, you know, right. before you become completely symptomatic and contagious. But I don't believe that. I think you become symptomatic at like day six or seven. Right. just... Why would we tell the people this? You know what I mean? I don't, I don't know. know. All of these conspiracy theories around how we're not getting um, the right information, I'm not buying into that so much. I mean, I'm not allowing myself to. Sure. Well, here's the thing. Like, time will tell. Yeah. The clock's ticking on every exposure. It's yeah. like three weeks. Okay, three weeks from the 28th. Yeah. Three weeks from the 1st. Three weeks, you know. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, look, I think that we have the technology and the resources, and particularly in the pharma, you know, arena, mm-hmm. like their stocks are going up mm-hmm. since this happened. And the key is hydration. This is why a lot of people haven't died over here is with this version. Gatorade. Yeah. But no. <laughs> Buy Gatorade. Okay, but back yeah. to Gatorade. Okay. So he starts, it starts rolling in mm-hmm. the money at a certain point. Yeah. Well, it starts, yeah, for them and... and, and They're splitting it. Yeah. Well, there's there's those four doctors, but... You know, you got to remember my dad's been divorced three times. Yeah, so he's like, yeah, boom, boom. So when did your parents get divorced? I was like five. Oh, okay. So okay, and he had a new family by the time. No, he didn't have a new family. He had five kids from his first marriage Mm -hmm. when he was eighteen. He joined the Marine Corps, and that was like my whole part of my impetus to do that was to try to bond on some level. And my older brother Danny had been in the Marine Corps, so. Mm So he got married to my mom, had five kids. She divorced him after ten years. Mm And then he proceeded to marry this twenty RPE teacher, dude. Shut up. So was my so, mom pissed or what? Like seriously, you're marrying and dating the boy's PE teacher? I mean, if anything could could one up dating your secretary. Yeah, the PE you know? teacher. Yeah. And I used to hear my dad battling with this chick, Gretchen. Oh my god, perfect name for a stepmother, Gretchen. So wait a second. So Gretchen, did you remember them meet? How do you meet your kids' PE teacher? I have no idea. How okay. That went. Oh, on an airplane, actually. That's how okay. they met. Yeah, they met on an airplane. I'm sure my like, dad oh, was I'm... like schmoozing, and like, well, welcome, you know, I'm coming back from Denver, whatever it is, you know. But he's like, and it just turns out you teach my kids. Yeah. Okay. Well, she was like, oh, I do, you know, yeah, I do PT. yeah, yeah. Well, my boys go there. I mean, I've never dropped them off there, but I hear the boys go there. Right, you know, right. Kind of so, if she was 26, he was 46. Okay. And so that did not last, that union? No, but it did last 20 years. Wow. Yeah. And then finally, yeah, I mean, it was... My dad's kind of late, 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 like 78 years old before he got, you know, uh, unofficially diagnosed with Asperger's. And my really? whole life, I thought it was just me. <laughs> yeah. Wow, I think hilarious? my dad has it. I don't even know. I mean, the distance is just so weird. Like, my dad would never, ever talk to us at all about anything except that it was correcting our grammar right. or bringing up a historical point. Right. I heard you say that on Mick's yeah, podcast. Yeah. So interesting. I'm like, God, I just had a great time in, in Texas. And I was in Houston. He goes, well, you know, Sam Houston's from Virginia. <laughs> right, right. Great. So, I'll kick it out. So, just emotions. Oh my God. Were too Dude, I much. never had an emotional conversation with my dad ever. Do, what do you think these women who were, including your mother, mm-hmm. married for 10 years mm-hmm. to him and 20 years respectively, mm-hmm. what did they do with well, that? Well, you know, my dad told me something one time that just, uh, we can get into this, but he said, like, when I first got sober and I was like, I guess I was like 20. 
I was 25, 25, 26. I had, I had actually gotten sober for the second time. Mm-hmm. And I was up there visiting him, probably with a couple years sober, two or three years sober. And he said to me, he was like, you know what turned me on about your mother? And I was like, boy, do I not <laughs> want to know this answer. He goes, you know what turned me on about your mother? And I'm like, no, Dad. What? He goes, how much she just needed someone. She wow. just was really, she really need, needed me. She needed me. And I was like, awesome. Something else to put on my creepy father collage. Yeah, well, good. Like, good oh, therapy set list. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But isn't that weird? I was like... Super weird. So, super weird. But I think, you know, that just you know points out, it's like some people have a deficit, just like we were talking about, like with the comedy thing, or like yeah. coming here to fix something, or to yeah. get some sort of peripheral validation. Right. It's like, that's his emotional dark cranny. Or right. Whatever. It's like, you know, I need to, I need to fill... I need to help this person in the same way that I helped my mother go get my dad out of the bars because my, my grandfather was a periodic and he would just right. disappear. Right. So she would, he would basically fill in the role of father right. and fill in the role of you know the person that helps mom. Right. So that's why. So um, is that the only alcoholism in your family, that mm. grandfather? My grandfather. And then I want to say it was my grandmother's brother, Theron, who was a doctor. Mm-hmm. Was it Theron? Was it? Yeah, who died in Tucker Sanitarium in Richmond, Richmond Virginia, mm. of DTs. Because oh they didn't God. know how to treat back then. We're talking like 24. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. 30, 1930, 1935, maybe. So the world existed back then? You're I heard. Me? I don't, I, you know, part of me doesn't buy it. I yeah. just think it's like, you Thank know, we come out Lord. here. Come on, electricity's always been here. What are you talking about, hot water? Come yeah. On. <laughs> yeah. So, and that's it, though? Just those? Those people? two that I know of, but yeah. it's on both sides. That's on my grandmother's yeah. side, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And on my grandfather's side. Yeah. And, um, and, you know, my twin brother, who's who doesn't appear to have, or at least for a long time, any type of alcoholic traits, mm-hmm. dude, I started kind of developing them, um, you know, a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, not, not necessarily, but just, dude, pounding, you know, pretty regularly. You, but, but functional. Anyway. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And still like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, and so and so, you, I forgot to ask. So, from that thing where you, the place where you dug the hole in the ceiling, mm-hmm. did you end up sober? So, when you went into the military, you oh, were yeah. sober. Okay. Would, yeah, the whole time, okay. six and a half years, and then I went out after six and a half, uh-huh. and then back for seventeen now. And so, what did you do those six and a half years? You were like, oh, yeah, I was a kid, it, you know, overreaction. You know, it was just so hard going to the University of Colorado. Boulder's a huge party town. Yeah, yeah. I got out of the Marine Corps when I was there. Yeah. I was in college. I was like, dude, what the fuck? I'm 25 now. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I've been sober since I was 17, never drank in a bar, never yeah. like... And I just, you know, I... I had a girlfriend who was living with at the time, and she wasn't into it, and she wasn't into God, and you know I'm not really into God either. Mm-hmm. But at the time, you know, you're still kind of coalescing this identity of you know, what am I? Like, mm-hmm. what do you know? What the fuck? Like, what do I want to do? Mm-hmm. And it was like sometimes for me, it's been figuring out what I'm not. Mm-hmm. And so I wasn't this, I wasn't that, I wasn't. I'm going to talk about being an organ and tissue harvester and EMT if we have time. But Jesus. But oh, I remember this from your from the, from the okay, oh, yeah, so suddenly brutal. came back to me. Okay, but um, but anyway, so I just needed to do that, and I was with a bunch of people. My twin had already kind of started drinking at that point, so I went um, on spring break in San Francisco with a bunch of people, and then just changed my non-alcoholic beer into a Sam Adams, mm-hmm. and that was it. And that was good till like January or February. That was in like uh, actually that was spring break. So that was in March or April, and then everything was fine until about January. 
I just started raging. Two questions. Yep. The, you were drinking non-alcoholic beer. Do you think? Do you do that now? Or I do, do you think but that- I I get that it's kind of a fine yeah. line. Yeah, you know what yeah, I mean? yeah. But I've been drinking that now for I don't know four or five years. It's a tough one because you know everybody has their opinions yeah. on it. I haven't had my opinions on it. I used to be like, dude, if you do that, you're a fucking idiot. And now I'm doing it. Well, so. But you just love the taste so much. I do. No, I like it, and I like having an adult beverage when I go out. Okay. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm like being no. Could I have the diet coke? But I realize there's like an attachment to that. But it's been so long. You know, for me at this point, that it's like um, it just doesn't. I was worried about it, but it's been so long yeah. that I realized that you know, drinking slightly fermented orange juice has has more alcohol than right, know, right. kombucha, whatever. Dude, kombucha has like you have to be twenty one. I don't know. I, I tried it once and I felt like mm. I drank and it was disgusting. You're just like, Ugh. but yeah, I've had non alcoholic beer three times mm-hmm. in my sobriety, and the head trip was it just way freaks too you much, out. Yeah, yeah, way yeah. too much yeah. for me to mm-hmm. handle. So okay, and so when the wheels fell off the bus that mm-hmm. following January, mm-hmm. what was that like? What happened? Where oh it wasn't God. working? Well, it just I moved out from Abigail, and I just you know I basically was. I got to experience everything that I, you know, I wanted to experience in Boulder for two years, and then uh, I got my shit back together, mm-hmm. and then moved to San Diego and learned how to surf and worked at a car shop. But mm-hmm. it was it was just like everything that you would imagine. It was just a complete rolling chaotic disaster. Mm-hmm. But I didn't have any goals to like. I didn't I didn't want to go back then. I didn't want to go to college. I just dropped out. Mm-hmm. It was like just getting out of the Marines. Mm-hmm. It was you know I had some liberty to mm-hmm. you know to get away with murder, mm-hmm. and then I did, and then. Um, you know, just like everything else, it's like, you know, at some point you're like, God, what did I do? Like, and, and the thing was, I already had all that time and this is still where I went. Right. So I remember having that kind of like shocking, disturbing um, experiences where you're like, you're sitting at a bar and you're waiting for somebody to show up and then somebody else that you don't even know shows up and they're just standing there and you're like, how's it going, man? And he's like, God, dude, you know, jails, institutions, and death. And you're like, dude, what the fuck? Like, buzzkill? Right. Like, what are you, come on, man. Like, right. don't be saying that shit to me. I'm yeah. like, you know, here, I'm trying to enjoy this beer and here yeah. you are, like, talking about jails, institutions, and death. Right, so, right. And I had a lot of that kind of stuff happen. Ugh. You mean because it was someone you knew? No, from, oh, no just, idea. It's just randomly Just a message happened. out of the, like... Yeah. Ether. Yeah, you know? yeah, like, yeah. What the fuck? And I had somebody yeah. else that I ran into. At least you hadn't just done acid. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or something where yes. like you could really have but a that bad did, time. I did have that happen one time on Shrooms where I was like walking in an alley and I realized it was Saturday night and uh. it was the Saturday night jive meeting in Boulder. Uh. And here I am walking uh. three friends. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'm like, dude, we can't go down this alley, man. Yeah. We cannot go down. I'm like, why not? Dude, why? It's like, this is A. And they're like, you had a drinking problem? I'm like, dude, do oh, I feel like please. talking about this right yeah. now? Yeah. yeah. Um, but yet, there are people who are like, yeah, I, I shot up at this meeting for three years. It's like, you would come to meetings and hi, I can't imagine a yeah. worse experience. Yeah. Go be somewhere else yeah. and try to have a good time. Yeah. Don't go there and read how it works all lit. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. But you hear that, yeah. right? You've heard I've heard people. that before. I've heard that before. So weird. It is. So, and so then what brought you back? Um, for me, it was just, you know, I mean, quite honestly, I... It just, I couldn't, I mean, I couldn't, I, I was going to go somewhere. I just couldn't, I was riding my bike to work, didn't mm-hmm. have, you know, wasn't in school, 
selling. I sold my car basically so I could pay my rent. My this bills. is in San Diego. This is in Boulder. Oh, okay, I my, okay. I got my shit together in Boulder, then moved okay, to San Diego. Okay, okay. And then I was like, I was selling men's suits, but I didn't have it. was snowing, mm-hmm. and I would ride my bike in the snow in a suit. Okay. And get to work and expect everything to be fine, even though like I had mud on like the bottom of my. Right. So it was just a train wreck like that. And at that point, I was just like, dude, I can't do this anymore. So I called Wardenburg, which is the health center, and I was mm-hmm. like, guys, I need to like get my shit together, and here's what's going on. And they got it all sorted, and then I went into. 28 day program and came out and and then you know was rocking and rolling living in San Diego mm-hmm. tiny little studio apartment and a surfboard and that mm-hmm. was it so that sounds that kind of a, fun that was, was that amazing it was okay. amazing it was yeah. so hard to move to LA from Del Mar which is northern San yeah. Diego which is like I was seriously about 20 yards away from my work like I would wake up walk across the, in my robe sometimes into the espresso like bookstore coffee shop and they were cool with you working oh, yeah. your own? Because I was like, you know, 25 and just ridiculous. Yeah. So I would come in and I would work the first... Somebody wouldn't show up. Right. That's usually when I wore my robe. And I'd yeah. be in there for the first 45 minutes turning on the espresso maker and yeah. making lattes. Uh, so and people would always tip you more when I was there in the robe because they realized that I, I was just there because somebody didn't show up. Yeah. So Belinda would come life. over and knock on my door. Claude, I know you're in there. But so, okay, but yet not enough for your worldly ambitions. Oh, to be there, no. So well, and then, and so then you said, when did you decide you wanted to be a comedian? Well, that was down there. Okay. It was 1998, 1999. I started working the door at the comedy store in San Diego. Uh-huh. Okay. And I just fell in love with it. I was like, yeah. oh my god, I would dry heave every time before I went up. But then I started to like it was kind of like sharing in a meeting. You know how when you're killing and you're yeah. like, I rule, dude. Or yeah. Whatever. Um, you're it was like, like why that, does this have to be three minutes? Yeah, I want to be able to do an hour. Yeah. People love to talk about themselves. Anyway, by the so way, I, I this morning I watched. Watched your twenty-minute set, which usually when you're wa- when I'm like watching a, like a comedian before they're coming in mm-hmm. here, I'll get like three minutes. Like that was a full. And I know you guys all have to have twenty-minute sets, yeah, but it yeah. was impressive. Oh, thank you. Because it, it was you. You, you were kind of killing the whole time. Kind of just rolling through there. We have a running joke in the comedy circles that uh, about. <laughs> the ice house is like if you're doing comedy the ice house is like level one like anybody can kill it. I mean I, I had a great set there they're a, ha- on a weekend. happy group people yeah they're there. a happy group and they're good well it's like know? a meeting easiest, it is. easiest crowd in town that's right that's yeah. right people can relate yeah and um but yeah it's you know stand up is its own animal it's like sharing publicly about something and just about life you know but for me it's it can't like I hate my act right now like that whole set that you watch I can't even do it anymore I cannot I mean, do that. I, I am not a laugh out loud person. And what was the thing that I was L O L? Probably that closer, the Dane Cook bit. No, 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 no. It was early on. Shit, I wish I. And I this, this always happens to me in, in meetings, by the way. I'll go up to someone and be like, I love what you said. Mm-hmm. And I have no recollection of what it was. But I loved it. Great I job. I know that I was like, what did you say? Yeah. And then they'll tell me. And I'm like, yeah, 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 that was it. Do you think that I. I'm losing my mind because yes, it does happen. I do that same thing all the time. I'm okay. like, what's the name for that thing that looks like a doorknob? Oh, doorknob. Right. Yeah. I do <laughs> yeah. So, okay. And so you, uh, was the road to getting on stage pretty easy because you'd worked the door? Um, no, it was actually difficult. I have to email you my worst set ever. That okay, found. I want to see oh, it. Oh my God, it's horrible. We sold it uh, as a perk on the crowdfunding campaign. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, no, for me, it was, it was terrifying because... Yeah. I didn't have that kind of that thing that like the commonality, you know, like they talk about like survivors of a sinking ship like this. Yeah. You know, I didn't have that in a comedy yeah. club. Yeah. Kind of like, I had to deal with drunk people that yeah. were like heckling. You had to deal with. And then the material. But the thing that I found is that's commonality to, to the program is that 
if there's truth in something, I don't have any, I don't have to have anything in common with you, but I will recognize that as the truth. Yeah. Which is why I have a problem with my act right now is because I want to be talking about what you and I are talking about on stage. Right, right. Rather than, my God, this cheese whiz is crazy. What's up with the cheese whiz? You know what I mean? I can't do that anymore. What about conventions then? That's a I've whole done thing. Okay, yeah. okay. I did the, the uh, Atlanta Roundup like two years, on my 40th birthday. Which yeah. Was two years ago. On my birthday, I performed there. Um, but that I mean, not they're not not money making gigs. No. I hear. I did the uh, the uh, the was it the Las Vegas Roundup? Uh huh. I guess, and there was like a big Pacific group guy there, Frank so and so. Uh huh. And there was all these speakers before that because it's just a series of speaker meetings. Yeah, yeah. You know? But there's this guy up there, and he was like, you know, like Chief Bratton, whatever, from like the LAPD, and he goes, you know, I don't appreciate the speakers coming up here. And just using the word fuck in front of girls and ladies. And you address from the podium, you dress like an adult, and you don't, uh, you don't say the word fuck. And then I had to go up right after this guy and perform for like Oh, but at days. least he wasn't talking about you. Yeah. Yet. Then, but, but then, like, so then I got up and I was like, hey, I just want to appreciate the irony of Frank coming up here and saying that we can't say fuck from the microphone and then talk about killing a hooker with a brick. <laughs> <laughs> it was just like, dude, what are you talking about? You yeah. Know? Yeah. So. <laughs> Did they laugh? Yeah. Because they got, it was like, we were all intimidated when he was yeah. like up there like, oh, I didn't do my, you know, I didn't yeah. do what I should have done. and. Yeah. So. But, yeah, I mean, that's always, like, a funny thing, too, when people will say in meetings, they're like, you know, I don't want, this doesn't really happen anymore. I don't want to offend anybody, but I, I did drugs, too. Mm-hmm. Like, if they're in a straight-up oh, alcohol yeah. toss-up meeting. You know? And it's like, you just talked about shooting drugs up your asshole. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're worried about offending people? Yeah. Because you're talking about, like, pot? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know? Um, you know, drugs are part of my history, so. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. It's exactly. weird. So, okay, so, so you move up here. So what was, you were just like, I want to do... Comedy. Well, I became a paid regular at the comedy store, mm-hmm. which is like getting a little soldier stripe. You used to have to audition for Mitzi, and she would sit in the back of the club with a little citronella candle, totally pitch black, just her with like the light reflecting off the candle. And it's usually there'd be an audience, but sometimes there wouldn't be an audience. Mm-hmm. There, could be, there could be one person in the yeah. comedy club, and Mitzi, and you got to oh, go up and just do your set. And then you go up there, and you like just perform your ass off, and to no one. Right. So I had to do the same exact set for her twice. One, I killed. There was a room full of people. Yeah. The next night, nothing. Yeah. Like, no one. And yeah. that was, like, the worst set I had in my, like, I was yeah. like, oh, my God. And then I, I, like, walked out, and Duncan, the talent coordinator at the time, walked out, and he followed me out to the street. And Missy was known to do, like, really horrific shit, like, fire you. Yeah. Like, you're just, I don't know, not only can you not perform, but you can't come in the club anymore. Right. Like she so would you were already shit. hired when that happened? Yeah, I was already working the door. Right. And then I would get to go up on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and then sometimes right. open the show on a Friday or Saturday. And then uh, Duncan came out, and he was like, uh, yeah, dude, she, you're fired. And he, I was like, really? He goes, no, I'm kidding. You're a new paid regular. Aww. And it was, like, the first time I called my mom, and I cried, because I realized that that, that was one of the very first things that... You know, people can give you a lot of advantages. You can have financial advantages. You can have educational advantages. Yeah. But no one can bring you performing and laughter or physical fitness, for example. It's something you have to go and get. You have to make it. You have to create it. So for me, that was like one of the like, I was like, oh my God, like, you know, I can, like I was able to do all this and I really loved it. You know what I mean? And so then I moved to LA, like, I'm not a paid regular. It's going to be easy. Yeah. And then you got to figure like, dude, you're surrounded by fucking 15,000 paid regulars that are trying to get spots. Yeah. Trying to like, do their hustle. And then I probably moved here after, you know, I was, I moved 
after doing stand up for really about two years, three years, and I was like, dude, way too early. I should have stayed in San Diego for five, seven years and just gone in the road. Yeah, and then just destroyed. And then, because you come up here and you start feeling like, oh, my material's inferior and there's people up here. But you don't realize it's like you have your own audience. You know what I mean? People that are going to like you and that are going to do that. Yeah. So that, you know, I think going on the road was great because you get to be in real audiences that are there because they want to see stand up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, this is how we, like, the joke is, this is how comedians laugh. This is how the audiences laugh, like, on Sunset. And they go, that was funny. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, they don't, you know what I mean? Like, one time Kirk Fox was up there, and it was just me and Mitzi in the back of the club. And he's, like, doing his bits, and, like, nobody was laughing. And I was like, oh. And I yawned, and he was like, who the fuck did that? He was like, who just yawned in the middle of oh, one of yeah. my jokes? And it was just me and Mitzi in the back. Oh, yeah. And she turns, and she looks at me, and she goes, now that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, you know, I'm not a big laugh out louder, which is why you should just be so flattered that that I just happened twice. Um, but I always related. I don't know if you ever saw Igby Goes Down. Did oh, you ever yeah, see that yeah, movie? It's course, great, movie. great movie. And one of the Culkins says yeah. to Clara Danes, like, you always say that's so funny, and yet you never laugh. I can't remember her response, but I really related to yeah, that. I was yeah, like, oh, that's me. And I wonder, I just, I feel like I've said this on the podcast before, so sorry, guys, okay. if you've heard it before. No, you haven't. You don't have to say it's all right. And, but, but I, well, oh, God, I just lost my train of thought, but. That's so funny. That's what you were saying. <laughs> oh, I thought you yeah. were saying. <laughs> that, that's so funny that you lost your thought. Oh my god, what am I trying to say? This is what I mean when I go Igby goes down. You're like, Igby goes down. Remember when she says it to him? I know. And so she says that to him. And oh, oh, oh. And so I wonder if it's a form of narcissism where you're assessing. You're going, instead of laughing, you're going, well, am I that funny? And could I use that material? Or whatever it is. That's why one is not laughing. For those of us who don't, who aren't laughing all the time at things we think are funny. No, it's funny. I just had this ex- this conversation about people saying that last mm-hmm. night with this guy really? I work with. Yeah, he was like, he goes, if it's just funny, just laugh. You yeah. don't have to like call it out as mm, that was funny. Yeah, as a comparison with the stuff that you normally say, which is not funny. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I always think that's weird. Like when you go, oh my god, you look great. Have you lost weight? Because uh, before I thought you were a pig. I know, you know, but don't you think that's a quote unquote alcoholic reaction to you look so great? To say that? or To think, oh, well, they must be saying that I didn't look great before, as yes, opposed to, I like, do. I'm just having a good day. It's all about me. <laughs> well, it's all about me sucking. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you yeah, know? that's the other part of it. It's like, you know, like, you but you know. So. So. Speaking of feeling like that, mm-hmm. you continue to pursue comedy, mm-hmm. which is, I believe, having never done it, that it is a more self-hating career to pursue than even writing books. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's funny. You can go and have a 10 fantastic shows and you have one shitty one. You're like, I suck. I should just stop. I should just start waiting tables again or whatever. Yeah. Um, But I think part of the maturity, as you realize probably from, you know, being a successful author is Uh, that. Yeah, it's a (laughs) moron if I ever heard one. Yeah. Well, you know, the success is doing it because you like it. Right, enjoying yeah, it yes. because I don't expect comedy to complete a conversation that I never finished a long time ago. Right, and part of me does, but now it's like I could give up there. Like I started talking about getting separated and like the shit that I was going through with Christina and like right. on stage, and I fucking ate it. Like doing this in San Diego like a month ago, two like six weeks ago, um, because I needed to go up there yeah. and not perform and have the like 
intention of the performance to not look bad. Right. Which has been like my act for a long time is I want you to like me so much that I'll do the material that I think you want to hear. Right. Rather than be honest about what's going on with me and do that as, you know, do that material. But it was great because I knew I was going to suck. Mm-hmm. I knew it was all new material. And my goal was to go to the comedy store and do 15 minutes mm-hmm. and live in it sucking wow. and not make it mean anything about me. Right. Because right, I know right. that I can have a good set. Right. But man, was that silence just fucking so heavy. And, like, even people in the audience, I was like, hey, you guys want to hear truth or bits? Because I really want to just kind of talk to you guys. And this girl screams out, bits! <laughs> of course. And I was like, that's funny. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. But it was just good to go and perform and, like, being willing to, like, sit in it and say, oh, it sucks. You know, but it's okay. It's not going to kill me. Well, that's interesting that you say that because um – you know, I had this storytelling show. It was all women, True Tales of Less and Love, for two years. And I found, you know, I didn't know anything about storytelling, but I kind of had to learn because I was performing with these people who were really good at it. And I learned that when I told the story, that particularly when it was a story that had, like, left me curled up in the fetal position from sobbing, that I would find relief in ways I had never found relief in therapy, say, mm-hmm. over these things because, but because it was fun, because I was making myself the hero of the story because I was the one on stage telling it and because people were laughing and relating yeah. and they were things I had told myself only I had experienced. Yeah, yeah. So, but that kind of flies in the face of doing it and knowing it's not going to please anybody. Yeah. Which is interesting. But yeah. did, did, you ha- did it help you work out therapeutically what was going on? Yeah, it helped me like, well, it helped me work it out therapeutically and then it helped me trying to, because look, you know, gallows humor is amazing. Right. Right. And right. so to me, like, you know, what too soon, that whole thing is it's, it's, it's very therapeutic. And, um, you know, and for me, you know, like I was saying, like, you know, performing people pleasing. It's yeah. really what it is. Do you know what I mean? But instead of like, you know, and I would say that this is a maturity thing, but I do think that callous on your feelings thing that we we're kind of talking about, yeah. it's a function or a product of experience. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like once you like kind of get through all the shit, like I did this joke in my act where I go, you know, women tend to mistake your lack of energy for confidence. Right, 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 right. That, that, that was, that was, was in the thing I just yeah, saw. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and it, but it, you know, it's the, kind of the same thing with, with getting a little bit older and it's not because you're mature as much as that you've been beaten so many times. Right. That you just don't give a shit anymore. You're like, yeah, yeah. You don't like me. You feel like we have nothing in common. We have way more in common than you think. Do you know? So interesting. I mean, I don't, I don't have that. And I, you know, because I'm like the most optimistic pessimist or the most pessimistic optimist. Like, hope springs eternal, which has bit me in the ass so many times. And yeah. it's why I did six books because I was like, this time is going to be different. It's going to be good. This is, you know, and what you were saying about comedy is like you don't expect it to finish the conversation you started a long time ago. I. I kept expecting it to work. Yeah. And by work, I mean become a bestseller. Yeah. Afford me all those, you know, things. And it never did. Well, see, that to me is interesting, too, because what I found from the stand-up thing and expecting it to do that for me was that I wasn't doing it. And I I hesitate to say the right reason because I don't really feel like that's accurate. But I wasn't, and this is why my act is changing right now, is it was because I wasn't in the performance because I wanted to tell the truth and I wanted to right. do this and I wanted to do it because of me. Right, you right, You know, it's right. something I really wanted, well, then I'm doing what I think you want from yeah. me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I mean? And so now it's like I'm doing it and I'm doing stand-up and it's like, dude, I can fucking own it because right. what the fuck are you people going to do to me? Yeah, yeah. I mean, and I think that's exactly it with books because especially when you have to deal with internet comments mm-hmm. and they're all in your head. 
yeah. when you're you're just like not only am I writing it for you but I know what you hate about me and so I can't do that mm-hmm. and I know there are people who clearly can put that out of their heads and move forward but I was not someone who could oh, it's hard for me too like when people write those comments you're like yeah. oh, I try not to take it personally but fuck you yeah you know, dark hair 86 or whatever yeah. you know yeah I know got, that's gotten so much better for me I don't know about for you well it's it's better now I mean I just try not to look at the comments anymore yeah exactly but but it's so hard, like when you go, oh, so so and so commented on your video, and you get the little email, and you're yeah. like, fuck you. Oh, you don't turn off the alerts? Oh no, I I finally got hip to that, yeah. but like, yeah, oh, God, yeah, I don't want to, I don't even this podcast, you well, know, like yeah. I'll talk about the, you know, the negative ones, and I don't talk about the positive ones, mm-hmm. um, and yet it can be constructive criticism sometimes. Yeah, well, you know, that's a hard. That was a hard thing for me to like learn to take. Mm-hmm. I felt like any criticism was derogatory, right? You know, but you realize, oh well, you know, somebody actually, you know, and then oh, you know what? I want your criticism because I want it to be the best thing. Yeah, you know, but that's oh god, that's hard for like. It depends on how it's said, you know. Yeah. I mean, I think the only truly successful creative people I know do take mm-hmm. that stuff as creative as mm-hmm. as you know, mm-hmm. um, not in a personal indictment, but we all need improvement. Yeah. Um, so, okay, but so let's talk about tube start and your new, okay. So first you started this company. Um, okay. So you've acted, you've done all Mm -hmm. of this stuff. And then you said, well, I'm putting together my own reels and stuff. And basically the trajectory was like this. I learned how to edit. I learned, I had a tiny little production company in San Diego, which busted, but I had that post-production equipment and I was like, I always thought editorial was fascinating because it's just taking a certain segment of a clip and then adding it to another clip and Mm -hmm. then telling a story. And so I really fell in love with the technical aspect of that. Then I started, I was doing stand-up and learning to edit, and then I started editing my mm-hmm. stand-up. Mm-hmm. And then I started editing your stand-up mm-hmm. or somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then before I knew it, this producer, Neil Marshall, was like, hey, are you cool? Have you ever edited a stand-up show? And mm-hmm. I was like, no, but I can do it. He's like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah. And then he basically got me for pennies on the dollar because I wanted to get into yeah. that. And so I got it. I cut my first comedy special for Showtime. Mm-hmm. And then I just, after that, it was just like, here's 12 more from Showtime. Here's, you know, so multi-camera editing. And then I found, um, then I was like, you know what? Comedy shows are too long. Mm-hmm. I was like, you ever been to see a comic that's like, you know, my God, like I liked the first three bits and then it right. was shit. So, right. so I decided to buy and license uh, 125 hours of comedy and create my own stand-up comedy YouTube channel because YouTube is prolific. Right. And then, so that's stand-up bits. And then, so I had post-production and then stand-up bits. Um, and then I started with my partner, TubeStart, um, which is like Kickstarter, but only for film and video. Mm-hmm. And originally, we didn't make enough money with stand-up bits, so we launched our own crowdfunding platform. Mm-hmm. And we decided, well, this has got to be a problem for everybody else. Mm-hmm. Why don't we look at what's going on with Kickstarter mm-hmm. and we did all the math and it's like exponential in growth. Like right. it's 5.1 billion this year. They expect 15 billion next year right. in gross funding. Right. And then by get this, I just got this in 2020, 90 billion. Oh my God. God can you imagine? And the most popular vertical is comedy film and video. Oh, okay. Which is exactly what we do. We do comedy. Yeah. We do, we do everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Film and video. Yeah. So yeah, we yeah. do, we just did a cooking show that got funded 11,500. And so then, and so then they, 
they go like you do the crowdfunding and then they go and sell right. it. Or so whatever. it's like this: like you and I put a project together. We're mm-hmm. like, this is going to be Anna and Claude's amazing new yeah. video podcast. Yeah, we talk about it. We show some artwork that we want to do for the studio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How we're yeah. yeah. And then pre-sell episodes of the show, that kind of stuff. And then what we do is provide the platform that gives you all the tool sets, including right. your integration with PayPal. We have merch that's on the site that you can then over eight hundred different items that you can build and then sell for a profit to your content, which ships automatically. Like none of this bullshit oh, with Kickstarter. Wow. So you mean like I can be like, oh, it's After Party Pod, and yeah. you print that on yeah. T-shirts? Yeah, it goes on out. a shirt, on a mug, on a onesie, oh my on God. a poster, right. on anything that you could possibly imagine. And this right. is like through our third-party ful- fulfillment partners, but you build it on the site in like 30 seconds. Wow. Do a coffee mug, whatever, T-shirt, ringer tea, something cool. And um, American Apparel, by the way, right, so it's right, good. Right. Um, and then um, it ships. So 75% of crowdfunding campaigns fail to deliver the rewards. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. yeah. So we just fixed that whole problem by building and shipping and integration. So, and that just goes from one person to the next. You're, all you have to do is really sit on the couch and come up with creative ideas of the stuff it is that you want to basically offer as a reward. Right. And then just pick your margin. Like, I think I can get $20 towards my campaign on the shirt that's 10 Yeah. goes for 35 They pick a shipping, they pick a color, and it's out. Wow. So we decided to do that, and then it's just, you know, kind of keeping it rolling. I always yeah. tell people I'm taking full advantage of my ADD. Yeah, yeah, Doing a yeah. little post, doing a little comedy. Yeah, Doing yeah. a little daughter and wife. Got that in there in yeah. the mix. I got, uh, I have a two-year-old. She's amazing. Oh my God. But she wakes you up at 5 in the morning for yeah, pancakes? Yeah, 6, 6, 6.30. Sometimes yeah. I make the pancakes the night before because... I just, I just learned to cook like uh-huh. four months ago. I t- uh-huh. I've been taking a cooking class for four months. I love it. Really? Oh, my God, dude. Like I keep I, taking them, and they don't, they don't take. you got to take Kitchen Karate. That's the one that I took. Where? It's here it's in It's kitchenkarate.com. Check it out. Okay. And it, what it is is, like, he teaches you how to cook, not what to cook. Yeah. So you start figuring out in your head, like, oh, Brussels oh. sprouts go good with these spices or a little bit of butter. Oh. Or, you know, if I want to do salmon this way and I want to do green beans this way, I can make Chinese or Thai or whatever it is. And right. seriously, the skill set is yours. So what I did was I beta tested it for for TubeStart. I was like, dude, let me try your course because we're curated. Yeah. So we don't just take any project. You have to like you know, yeah. meet a certain amount of subscribers for engagement. And I beta tested it, loved it. In two hours, you can cook 12 meals for the whole week. And so seriously, or 15 even. Or, and it's completely whatever your diet is compatible. So I took the class and just crushed it. Like I go to Sur La Table now and I'm like, I'm just looking for the shit that's yeah, on sale. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Well, wait but, a minute. So now it's, I don't understand. How is that crowdfunded now? Okay. So what we did was he put the entire course up on TubeStart uh-huh. and then offered it at a discount. Uh-huh. Like Because there's eight, there's 10 belts, right? Yeah. Like white through black. Yeah. And so he offered each belt at a discount and then so people could buy the cooking course in advance for less uh-huh. and then he crowdfunded the whole thing in less than 30 days 28 days he overfunded okay so, because so many people like you and me want to cook right? is it, so it's videos it's videos so what it is you watch the video and you cook along with him yeah so you pause it and you're like shit dude I gotta catch up like what are we right, doing right and right and you get back and then the funny thing is is that you use mostly Pyrex and baking sheets uh-huh. for part of it and then you do four non-stick pans and a couple pots yeah but you make your grains on Sunday you do all this stuff on Sunday and you have food for the whole week fuck I'm doing yeah. it dude I'm telling you like, like, it took okay. It says two hours. It took me three and a half hours. Okay, fine. To do the first one. Yeah. But the thing is, is like once you start. I mean, I, I'm addicted to it. Like, it's like I, a, I, a muscle. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But the pancake recipe is egg, banana, and oatmeal, and it tastes better than any pancake. None of this flour and sifting and. So you're saying it. I can have pancakes and not yes. have I'll like. I'll email you the mm-hmm. recipe when we get out of here. No, yes. I'm signing up. Yeah, Kitchen yeah. Karate. Are Kitchen you kidding me? Like bomb. by yeah. tomorrow. Yeah. Check it out. I mean, seriously, I, I'm not pitching the course because to give them a plug. But, like, I cook my ass off. Like, last night I did, 
you know, we did salmon and mushrooms and leeks and onions with garlic and butter. And it was just like, just me and my kid, you know, just the two of us just, you know, having dinner. Yeah. But dude, we never cooked in my house growing up. It was like, I think I had cereal for dinner. You know, now it's like, yeah. Now I'm like, bam, I'm just going to pick up whatever it is and then just crank on it. I love it. And so, and so today, what is your life like? Um, my life is pretty simple, but packed. Mm-hmm. You know, I think people with ADD, I think we tend to fill our lives with stuff. Mm-hmm. So I have to jump from one thing to the next thing to the next mm-hmm. thing. So I get up in the morning if I'm lucky enough to get up at like six thirty before Senate does. Like mm-hmm. by you know if she doesn't get up till eight, then I get that hour of this is the only time I have the whole day. Mm-hmm. I set my coffee maker up before I go to bed. Mm-hmm. Right. I get up, I have that coffee, and that's it. Then usually around eight thirty nine o'clock, Senate gets up. Christina's dealing with her. Then I get a text or a call from Joe. So if that's my business partner, like, what's going on? What are we doing? Then that moves into, let me check in on Real Media. Is the stand-up going up on time? We just opened this studio to shoot on Raleigh. Mm-hmm. Three cameras, green screen, virtual set, the whole nine awesome. yards. Which you should come in and do, like, a like a news report or something just for fun. No, yeah. I know. Well, we're starting mm-hmm. After Party Cuts. Okay. Which is, like, we're just going to do it, like, on our computers. Uh-huh. So we thought. Oh, and it's Danielle Stewart. Who knows you? Oh, how is Danielle? She's great. She's my executive editor. No way. Yeah. I haven't seen her forever. Funniest it's girl ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and it's mostly comedians that are coming on this. Mm-hmm. So it's. It's a small, incestuous world. Yeah, it is. Um, so, okay, and so, and and like in terms of sobriety and mental mm-hmm. health mm-hmm. and all of these things, mm-hmm. like how how is that? Well, I'm a little dry right now. I mean, are you? I, well, I'm going to therapy twice a week now. It's yeah, like, those are my meetings. I'm still in touch with my sponsor, you yeah, know, regularly. And then he'll call me up and he'll be like, hey, let's go to the Westchester, you know, yeah. men's meeting. And, and why like, are you not doing that? No, it's just, it's seriously, no it's just a function of, yeah. yeah. I mean, I used to go to the 715 on Urban every day religiously for like three years, mm-hmm. maybe even longer than that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that, yeah, it's just been, you know, a little bit stiff. It's nice when I go out of town. Yeah. I always try to hit a meeting because it gives me a sense of groundedness and security. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah, yeah. So, and yeah, you legitimately sound busy. Like, it's Mm -hmm. not an excuse. Yes, it's not an excuse. And it's still not an excuse. Like, I could find an hour or 40 minutes or something. Right, right. They have these speed meetings in Cleveland. Have you ever been to that? No. It's like 28 minutes, 30 minutes in the meeting. That sounds like like, my stuff. Yeah, you get in, everybody shit. Like, somebody speaks for 10 minutes on the topic, they go around for another 20, and you're done. I was like, oh, turbo. Yeah. One of those here. Yeah. 30 minute lunch break. How about a five minute meeting? I know, right? (laughs) And then make it like you can only share for 45 seconds before the thing goes out. We get five people and you're done. Yeah. There's a meeting I know of where you can only get a minute and everyone shares. I like that. I don't know. I got I got three minutes worth of shit to say. Yeah. I got to be honest. Yeah. I mean, the rest of you, you mm-hmm. can have a minute. Yeah, you guys can all have a minute, but I got, I'm important. Come yeah. On. Well, this has been so great, Claude. Thank you for having I'm me. I'm so glad. And we could come full circle from the elevator down, yeah. you know, to the fourth floor down here. Yeah, and let's do it again. Yeah, I'd, I'd love we have, it. Do, we haven't talked about organ and tissue hurt or whatever. We didn't talk about the organs. We didn't, um, there were like four things yeah. that I wanted to get back to. So They're part, gruesome, part two coming Part two, soon. yes. Thank no. you so much for having me. Thank you so much. So that was Claude Shires. I didn't want to stop talking to him. I'll be honest. I really, really didn't. Um, We had such a good time. And go follow him on Twitter and go check out TubeStart. And uh, go listen to more episodes and review them. And I will see you next week. Claude Shires on After Party Pod.